Please open your Bibles to John chapter 16. We're going to continue on in our study through the Gospel of John. Now, just one thing I want to quickly mention here, as you may or may not know, uh, the Bible, when it was originally written, these letters that we're studying here in the Bible, including the Gospel of John that we're currently studying, um, when it was originally written, there was not separated by chapters and verses like we have in our Bibles today. So before we dive into chapter 16, and in order to stay within the context of what is being written, I would like for us to actually just go back into chapter 15, and we're going to start reading in verse 12. We will be uh, studying John chapter 16, but like I said, I just want to stay within the context here. So let's go back to John chapter 15, verse 12. It says, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, this is Jesus speaking. If you have a red-letter edition of your Bible, uh, you'll see the words are in red, and that means that it is the words of Jesus Christ. Verse 13, he says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have sin and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. Now, verse 1 of chapter 16. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. Okay, so Jesus continues to give his disciples some insight into the future. And the things he is telling them, uh, he is pre-warning or preparing them so that when these things do take place, they will be strengthened in their faith because they will say, oh yeah, Jesus 
told us that this was going to happen. And Jesus is saying, this will keep you from stumbling if you remember these things that I'm telling you. Okay, so you see, the Holy Spirit is going to be the disciple's source of strength and power during the difficult times that awaited them. And the Holy Spirit is the one that brought to their remembrance all things that Jesus said and did. But Jesus knew in advance what would happen because he was God in human flesh. And for us today, there is nothing that has happened and nothing that will happen in the future that our Lord is not already aware of. Each and every step we take on this earth has been ordered by the Lord. And as followers of Jesus Christ, who have died to ourselves, been born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit comes into you once you believe in Jesus, once you uh, surrender your life to Jesus, you've been filled with him, and all steps are ordered by the Lord. What I'd like you to do is go ahead and mark this page in John chapter 16, but let's turn to the uh, to Psalm 37. You'll find the book of Psalms right around the middle of your Bible. Psalm 37 is what we're going to look at right now. And just as you're turning there, I'm just going to kind of refresh your memory here, what we're talking about, that each and every step we take on this earth has been ordered by the Lord. So Psalm 37. And uh, let's go down and start reading in verse 23. So Psalm 37, 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Okay. Now, notice there in that verse, in verse 23, that the word good is italicized in your Bible, or it should be. That simply means that it was not there in the original manuscripts. Uh, it was added um, to kind of help with the interpretation. But the original Hebrew word that was used here uh, is the word gever, okay? And it's a word that speaks of a man that is a warrior. It's like a person that does not quit and easily give up. So that's what it says there. The steps of a, a man like that, a person like that, uh, are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. And with this type of person, verse 24 says, Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. So, you see, when a person has given their lives over to the Lord, there will still be things that happen in this life that will cause them to trip and fall. But the Lord is with us always, and He picks us back up, and He gets us back on track. But don't be confused with what I'm saying here, because there is a difference between falling down or stumbling while you're on the path of the Lord and totally getting off the path. There's, there are two different things. You see, if we repeatedly and purposefully stray from the path of the Lord, then we can expect what is being spoken of here in these verses. Um, or I should say we cannot expect 
what's being spoken of in these verses there. Verse 24, though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hand. You see, you, you can't just say, you know, I'm going to go off and, and live my life however I want. I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to, I'm going to lead my own way through this life. And I'm not going to pay any attention to the Lord. And then when you fall and you stumble, a lot of people do that kind of thing in their life. And then they look up and they begin to curse the Lord. They look up and they say, you know, why did you allow this in my life? Why did this, why did this happen? When they never have gotten on the path anyway. They've never surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ and began to fix their eyes on him and uh, began to, to learn and grow in the knowledge of him. So, like I said, just don't confuse what I'm saying there. When you stumble and you fall on the path, which will happen, whether you're following the Lord or not, rain falls on the just and the unjust, the Bible says. So you, we're all going to trip up through this life. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to stumble. But we need to stay the course. We need to stay on the path of fixing our eyes on Jesus Christ. And here we see that the Lord picks us up. He upholds us. Verse 25 in the Psalm here, 37, it says, I have been young and now am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. You see, this is a promise of the word of God right here. When we, like warriors, fight the fight of faith and walk in the path of righteousness, we become people of mercy that reach out to others. And as a result, we and our descendants are blessed. What we do today does impact tomorrow because generations after us will be following in our steps. If you're a godly man or a godly woman, and you're raising up your children and you're pointing them to the Lord. Now, they got to make their own decisions in that. You know, God doesn't have grandchildren. Our children have to make their own decisions to walk with the Lord. But our role as Christian parents uh, is to point them to the Lord. If you don't have children, there are, there's a sphere of influence that you have. There's people around you that you can influence. But the thing is, is that we need to walk in the ways of the Lord. And God takes care of us. He gets us through this life. What we do today, though, like I said, will impact tomorrow. We do reap from what we sow. And we must stay the course. And all of our steps are ordered by the Lord. And the disciples of Jesus, the Lord's desire for, for them was that they would stay the course. No matter how many times they would get knocked down. No matter how much persecution would come in their lives. Go ahead and turn back to John chapter 16. And by the way, um, you know what? Let's just go ahead and, I'm sorry, but I want to have you stay right here in Psalm 37. Let's go ahead and read it out because this is good stuff. I uh, just kind of changing my course here, but this is good stuff here in Psalm uh, 37, verse 27. Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom, and his tongue talks of justice. The law of his God is in his heart. Notice that. 
The law of God is in the heart of a righteous person. And it says, none of his steps shall slide. So you see, on Christ, the solid rock we stand. All other ground is sinking sand, right? Verse 32, the wicked watches the righteous. Think about that. The wicked watches the righteous and seeks to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a native green tree. Yet he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him, but he could not be found. Mark the blameless man. And observe the upright, for the future of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them. Why? Because they trust in him. So we need to be people that are trusting in the Lord. Yes, we have hard times as we walk through this life. Jesus promised it. He said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Why? Because he has overcome the world. And we are a people that walk through this life by faith and not by sight, trusting in Jesus. Okay, now go ahead now and turn back to John chapter 16. Jesus will now give the disciples an idea of the types of things that they will now face, okay? Verse 2 of John chapter 16, Jesus says, They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. Wow, think about that. The disciples of Jesus All Jewish men had grown up their whole lives free to go in and out of the synagogue whenever they wanted. But very soon from this time right here where we're studying, they would no longer be welcomed in their synagogues. They would be preaching salvation in Jesus and the religious leaders would not like it at all. Why? Because they requested the death of Jesus Christ. So the disciples would be hated for the rest of their lives, persecuted because of their stance for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All they had to do was not name the name of Jesus anymore. All they had to do was turn and walk away from him, and they would have been fine. But why would the religious leaders do such a thing? Why would they put them out of the synagogues and stuff like that? Verse 3, and these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father, nor me. So you see, there's the answer. That's why they did it, because they don't know God. You know, that word known there in verse 3, in the original text, it's the Greek word genosko, and it means to know someone personally and intimately. You see, there are a few different ways that we can know things, and there's a few different ways that we can even know people. For example, we have people that we know just because we've seen them before. 
There are people that we know because we've met them once or twice. We have friends that we've met in the last year, and then we have friends that we've known for many years. We have loved ones that know us and that we know better than anyone else does. There are some, um, these are just, excuse me, just a few of the many ways that we can apply that word know, but to know someone or to know something. But what Jesus is telling the disciples here is that bad things are going to happen to them because the people that will be behind these things do not have a personal and intimate relationship with God. The people that ordered the death of Jesus were religious people, but their religion did not give them the knowledge of God. And you know, I grew up my whole life understanding a religion, a little bit, not a whole lot of understanding about the religion I grew up in or was raised up in. And and I was just kind of a a casual guy that went to church every once in a great while, but but I did all the steps that were required of me growing up. Um, but I found that at the end of all that, when I when I came into my late teens and early twenties, around twenty years old, I realized, okay, I know there's a God. I, I can look at the stars and I can look at the moon and I look at creation. I've just been that way my whole life, and I say, there's got to be a God. Okay, but where is he? Who is he? And can I know him? And at about 19 years old is when I really began to to cry out to God in my own personal prayer life. You know, in my on my own personal time when I was away from everyone else, I would begin to to look up and say, "Who is this God? Who are you, God? Who is this Jesus Christ that I I see on that crucifix?" hanging on there. Who is this Jesus Christ? And I came to that place where I finally came to the end of me. And I realized I need a savior. I need to know this God of all creation. I didn't realize till I heard the gospel and I read the Bible for myself that I could know this God in a personal way. And I came to that place where I just laid it all down and surrendered. It was the end of me. It wasn't that I did anything good. It wasn't that I all of a sudden, quote, got religion or became a goody two-shoes or anything like that. I was a person who was a wretch. I needed a savior. And you know what? Each and every one of us are on equal ground with that. We all need Jesus. We all need a savior. But we can know him. And religion is not the way. Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. No one, you see, has access to God except through Jesus Christ. There's no other name given under heaven whereby we can be saved. He is the name above all names. Well, these religious leaders, they didn't know him. And going uh, back to what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, a tree is known by its fruit. You see, if you see people that call themselves Christians, but behave in a manner unlike Christ, then they are not truly people 
that know God in an intimate way. You can look around and you say, you know, why does why do those so-called Christians behave in that way? Why are they doing this in the name of Jesus Christ? Why are they going out and protesting funerals of people and different things like that? And you say, what is this? You know, well, a tree is known by its fruit. Look at Jesus Christ in the Bible. Study his life. See how he was. And if a Christian is a follower of Jesus Christ and you don't see somebody behaving like Jesus Christ, then you can question. You can look at their fruit and say, hey, how are they really? And you know, that's what Jesus points out here in verse 3 when he says, and these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. You see, there's many people out there doing things, and they may be doing it in the name of religion, but do they really know the God of the Bible? Do they really know His Son, Jesus Christ? God became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father. Full of what, does that scripture say? You can look it up. Full of grace and truth, right? Let's go on. Verse 4. But these things I have told you, that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. So you see, as we read that verse, Jesus here again is giving the disciples notice that not long from now, he will no longer be with them physically. He's letting them know, hey, I'm not going to be here on this earth physically with you. Verse 5, but now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Okay, so you see, Jesus here is, of course, speaking of the Holy Spirit in these verses. But as believers in Jesus, it is an awesome blessing to us that we have the indwelling of the Spirit of God. You see, Jesus is Emmanuel, right? When he came to the earth, so call his name Emmanuel, God with us. That's what Emmanuel means. But we're still on this earth today, and it would be so very, very difficult to get an appointment with Jesus if he were still on the earth in the flesh today. You know, look at all the the people in the world that would want to line up and speak to Jesus if he were still here. And it'd be very difficult. So we're blessed to have his Holy Spirit indwelling us. And Jesus knew that it would be that, that we need it for him to go away. That's why he says it's to our advantage that he's going away. Now, we know that the Holy Spirit does what? The Holy Spirit teaches. The Holy Spirit comforts us. Um, He does so much more than that, though. Verse 8 says, And when He has come, He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in Me. So you see, the Holy Spirit also does the work of convicting people in their hearts that they are sinners in need of a Savior. That's the work of of the Holy Spirit. And notice there that in verse 9, Jesus says that they are convicted of sin. Why? Because they do not believe in him. 
You see, 2 Peter 3.9 says that the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Always remember that because there's a lot of doctrine out there that teaches contrary to that. But 2 Peter 3.9, and you can look that up on your own, is Jesus. the word says that the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's his desire, that everyone would repent and come to him. So the Holy Spirit then is in the world convicting people of not believing in the Lord because the Lord wants everyone to come to salvation in him. So the Holy Spirit is doing this wonderful work in the world even today. You know, the Holy Spirit's not out there convicting people of drinking and convicting people of smoking and and cursing. He convicts people of not believing in Jesus. And when people come to the Lord Jesus, he knows what to do with them. He knows how to change our hearts, to, to mold us, to shape us, to be the men and the women that he desires us to be. And you know, that is why that the gospel message is good news, because we can come to Jesus just as we are. You don't need to get right and come to the Lord. Come to Jesus just as you are. He understands. I came to Jesus as a cursing, drinking, angry young man, and it was the Holy Spirit that convicted me to believe in Jesus. But when I came to that place of knowing that, you know, that intimate kind of knowing that we talked about, when I came to that place of knowing the Lord God, the Holy Spirit then came into me and began to to work on changing me from the inside out. All people anywhere and everywhere can come to Jesus just as they are. And there is no better message than that. No matter what you've done, no matter what mess you've made of your life, no matter what you're currently doing, no matter how many times you've fallen, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You need a Savior. I need a Savior. Come to Jesus just as you are. If you have not made that decision in your life yet, but as you're studying through the Word with us here, something's taking place. You're beginning to to understand something different about the Lord that you never knew. Don't let religion, don't let churches that are out there everywhere, and and I'm all for fellowshipping in a church, okay? But I'm saying there's all different kinds of doctrines out there being preached by men. But go back to the Bible yourself. And with abounding love, the ministry of abounding love, that is my focus, to take people to the Word of God that they see it for themselves, that the Holy Spirit speaks to them and teaches them deep within them. Because I can sit here and give you, I can I can come up with all kinds of ways to change your mind or to get you thinking about something different. But what really matters is that you know the Lord deeper within your heart. That deep in your heart, you've come to know the God of all creation that loved you so much that he came, became flesh, and that he died for you. He loves you. Come to Jesus just as you are. Verse 10, let's move on here. Verse 10 says that the Holy Spirit also convicts the world 
of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Now, Jesus is the only person in all of history that died for the sin of the world, was buried, and then rose again. And his resurrection makes him stand out above all others. There have been other men and women that have died for good causes, but none of them have risen from the dead. And this is what makes Jesus the righteous one. He rose again, he walked on the earth, and then he ascended back into heaven to the Father. And the only way we can become righteous is by placing our faith in him. And it is the Holy Spirit that accomplishes that work within us as well, convicts the world of righteousness. He says, hey, you want to see righteousness? The Holy Spirit says, only Jesus is righteous. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. None of us here on this earth in this flesh are righteous. Only Jesus is, and he's our only hope. Verse 11 says that the Holy Spirit convicts the world of judgment because the ruler of the world is judged. You see, when Jesus died on that cross, the ruler of this world, which is Satan, was judged and his power was taken away. Satan is the one that comes to to kill, to steal, and to destroy. You can see that in John chapter 10. But because of the Holy Spirit within us, we do not need to be under his power any longer. You know, on our last study, we looked at Galatians 5.16, which says that if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So today, even still, the Holy Spirit is doing many different works in the world and in the hearts of people. You know, and we need to be a people that are walking, being led by the Holy Spirit and not being led by the lust of our flesh. And if you're walking in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You know, it would have been far too much information for the disciples of Jesus to handle in the short three years that they had with the Lord uh, for the Lord to, to be able to explain everything to them. You know, and that's what he, look at verse 12 here. He goes on to say, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. You see, and the Lord knows. The Lord knows with us. Each one of us, he he knows how much we can handle. He knows what we can understand. He knows all of your questions. When you read the word and you say, I don't understand this. I don't get this. Keep walking. Keep walking by faith. Keep seeking the Lord. He reveals things to you by the Holy Spirit working them out within you. Verse 13, look at it. It says, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Now, isn't that what we all want? Don't we really want to know the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth? Don't we want to know that truth deep within our souls? But no one can know this truth unless the Holy Spirit does that work within them. And no one can know the work of the Spirit without coming first to a place where they have given their lives over to the Lord. They've repented. They've done a a 180 and say, I'm seeking you now, Lord. You see, knowing the Lord 
intimately begins at the point of absolute surrender. The work of the Holy Spirit is a very wonderful work. Verse 14 says, He will glorify me. Jesus speaking of the Spirit here, right? For he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. How marvelous, how awesome it is that the Father loves us this much. He desires to take that which is his and declare it to us by the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he wants us to know him. He's not willing that any of us would perish. He's not, he doesn't want us to walk through this life not knowing him. And, and the Holy Spirit indwells us, and the Holy Spirit is the only one that takes us to that place of an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, let's turn again to the book of Psalms. Turn to Psalm 139. Again, the book of Psalms is toward the middle of your Bible. And we're going to look at Psalm 139. See, God wants us, like I said, to know him intimately. Not just a God that is somewhere out there. Not just the big guy in the sky, the man upstairs. He wants us to know him. And in Psalm 139, beginning in verse 1, it says, for the chief musician, a psalm of David, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. Now there's that word known again. But here, that word known is the Hebrew word yada. You know, like when someone says yada, 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 you know, what they're really saying is, yeah, I know, I know, I know. That's where they get that word from. It's a Hebrew word. So, but God truly knows all things. And David is saying here, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? So here again, we see the work of the Spirit. He is always with us. And if you remember, Jesus told the disciples that the world would not know the Holy Spirit, but they would because the Holy Spirit would be in them. And today, we know God and are known by God because of the work of His Holy Spirit within us. And the great news is that it was to our advantage that the Lord went away because the Holy Spirit could be ever present with us. Verse 8, David says, If I ascend into heaven, you are there. 
If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. Wow. When you read stuff like that, for me, it just makes me want to say, how great is our God? When you begin to think on the wonderful works of God, it will cause you to have a heart that is full of praise. That's what David after saying all that right here, he goes on and he says in verse 14, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. You see, when we walk being led by the Spirit of God, we will be focused on the marvelous works of God rather than on the things of this world. And our souls will know love, peace, joy, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Because these are the fruits that are produced by the Holy Spirit. And you can read about that in Galatians chapter 5. And that's, so these are the things that are a result of the Holy Spirit working within us. But David continues on here in verse 15 and says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Like we you see, like we discussed earlier, God has each and every step of ours in order. Each and every day of our lives are written in his book. How awesome is that? And this is the God of all creation. This is the God that became flesh because he wanted to redeem you and he wants you to know him. Verse 17, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. You see, God is so good. He loved us so much that, like I said, He became flesh. He, he came to redeem us. He came to, to call us His own. And by His Holy Spirit, He is with us always. And He intimately knows us like, like no other person possibly can. Trust in the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. You see, sometimes that's hard. Sometimes we think, I got to understand this. I got to figure it out. I got to, I got to, I got to. But the Lord says, trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, Acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Isn't that what you want? Don't you want 
your path to be directed by the God that created you, that formed you in the womb, that knows you inside and out, knows you like no other. But yet, you know, it's so easy just to to go in the ways of the world. It's so easy just to to be led by the temptations of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, rather than to walk by faith, being led by the Spirit. But it's right there. It's just a prayer away. And it's a decision away. And you you just must make that choice to say, I will trust in the Lord. I will walk through this life with my eyes fixed on Him. Will you stumble? Yes. Will you trip up? Yes, but the Lord will be there. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. You can trust in him. You can give your life over to him completely. And then you can begin to walk by faith and not by sight. And You will know his presence all your days. God bless, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.